do you want to make a lot of money? Do you want to be really successful? Do you want to be really good at football? You're going to have to put some work in. You're going to have to do it day in, day out. You're going to have to be consistent. There is no, there is no cheat sheet. There is no secret to doing it. Hello, and welcome to the Up Close and Personnel Podcast Show. I am your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting at Rice University. All you first-time listeners, be sure to hit subscribe and rate the show from whatever podcast channel you're on. And for the returning listeners, I really do appreciate all the love and support for the show. Pay attention to my Twitter and the show's official website, upcloseandpersonnel.com, for upcoming guests and topics. And just know that I'll be posting all new episodes each and every Saturday from here on out. Last week, we had Brian Carrington, UT Director of Recruiting, on for the show to talk about building relationships with college recruiters. This week, James Casey, the tight ends coach with the Cincinnati Bengals, joins the show to give a ton of advice to recruits, current student-athletes, draft-bound players, and even coaches in the industry. Incredible advice and insight into what's helped him become so successful, not only as a player, but also now as a coach. Going from an MLB draft pick out of high school to being an All-American and an academic All-American star football player at Rice University, to being drafted and playing in the National Football League for seven years with the Texans, Eagles, and Broncos, to coaching at his rival college, the University of Houston, and making the jump to the NFL with the Bengals now, James truly has seen the game from every single angle. What sets James apart is his drive to be great and the discipline to do the little things right every single day. His life journey is entertaining in and of itself, but this episode is jam-packed with advice and so much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with James Casey, tight ends coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. James, welcome to the show. Appreciate you, Alex. Thanks for having me on, man. So, how's the uh, how's the whole crew doing? How's Kylie, Cannon, and Knox handling quarantine life? Uh, we're doing great. I mean, just like everybody else out there, we're hanging in there. We, uh, you know, we're in Cincinnati with the Bengals, but we decided to come down here to Texas. So, I'm outside of Fort Worth in Azle, Texas, right now with my family because we had a baby niece that just got born. But uh, and we got more room out here. You know, we got more room to let the kids run around and kind of secluded like everybody and staying safe and staying trying to stay sane as, as possible that's awesome well before we get started i got five quick questions for you that i'm going to ask everybody we bring on the show and i think the awesome part about kind of your background is that you not only played at the highest level but now you're coaching at the highest level so you've got a different perspective than most do so for you what makes somebody a good evaluator you got to be disciplined you got to be a hard worker obviously you got to have good perspective on things. And I think you got to, you, you know, you can't be a BSer, you know, you got to be realistic with it and you got to have some, some common sense sometimes, you know, some, some guys get, they just get caught up in trying to find their certain guys instead of just having a broad picture of, of the overall fit of the, of the team and not just the, the highlights of the players and kind of a long way to question, but guys really work hard and go into details about the little things. For you, who would be the best recruiter or evaluator that you've been around and, and why? Well, I mean, uh, I'm on your podcast. I'm going to say you. And I'll spend some time with you at Houston. I thought, I really do, not even just blowing smoke. You know, I, th- I thought you were really good because you were that. I thought you had attention to detail. You were disciplined. You would always bring guys to my attention that, you know, they were really good players. You know, and it's just over time when guys keep bringing you players 
at the college level that, that, that continue to be good players and they end up, maybe you bring me a guy that didn't have any offers and all of a sudden he's got a whole bunch of offers everywhere. You start, then you can start, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, but you know, you, you were a great one. And then guys with personality wise, like I thought, you know, Ken Pope, our, our running backs coach at Houston has been around a long time. He's coached Alabama everywhere. I thought he was great recruiting just because his personality. And when, if you were able to get him around some family members, you know, he made everybody feel welcome. He had a great personality. And uh, guys like Jason Washington, you know, that was our corners coach at Houston. He was same same type of guy, great personality. You love being around him. You love talking to him. And, you know, that might not be that type of guy with my great personality, but I try to put my work in with the with the film study and then let the guys that get the great personalities, you get guys on campus, let those guys kind of take over. No, I think with uh, Coach Pope, sometimes you feel like you're in your own living room, no matter where you're talking to him. No matter what, yeah. He could talk. He knows everybody. And if you don't know him personally, he knows somebody you know. And that's, that goes a long way in recruiting, just knowing people. So getting into my third question, uh, as far as biggest influences on you as an evaluator and recruiter, I'm guessing Ken Pope would be one of those for you. But have you had any new influences now being at the NFL level and going through the draft process? How has that experience kind of influenced you and the way you approach it? Yeah, yeah all the guys at Houston were big influences when I first got there because I didn't know anything about, you know, big mis- misconception is could, because you played you know, you played high school, college, NFL, that you should be really good at evaluating. But it's kind of, you know, it's a wholly, a whole different trait of what you got to know and what you need to know. So I just learned from all the guys in Houston. And then it is the same thing NFL-wise. You know, you, you, you uh, spent a couple years in college learning how to recruit and learning what it was all about, all the intricacies of it. Then you go to the NFL, and it's, it's, it's a lot different. You know, now you're not really recruiting. You're scouting guys, and it's a whole different process. So. So I've really learned from, you know, like our head coach, Zach Taylor, who's a younger guy, extremely intelligent. He's, you know, very open to help you with whatever you need. Obviously, I'm forever grateful for him giving me an opportunity. And guys like Brian Callahan, who's our uh, offensive coordinator, our Bob McNeil's our wide receiver coach. I'm, I'm, my office is right next to him. He's been around coach a long time. So I learned a lot about him, a lot from him on the scouting process. And just everybody you come into contact with, you can see, you can learn something from anybody you come into contact with, whether it's good or bad. So I just try to take whatever I can from anybody. And I'm still young in the game, so I'm still growing and trying to trying to learn as much as I can. Well, it's it's funny how the way you've answered each of these questions <laughs> leads into the next question, uh, which is what is your process for learning and growing? And obviously, you take things from different people and see what fits in with your framework. But I know that you know you're up early, you're going to stay as late as you absolutely have to, to make sure that you're outworking the next person. I know that about your personality, but how are you developing yourself? What's your process look like? Yeah. I mean, it's really that it's just trying to do more than what everybody else is doing. You know, my big credo that I kind of live by, I don't know where I read it from or whatever, but it just always sticks to me. I think about it every day is to achieve what others don't, you have to do what others won't. So I just try to always get up a little bit earlier than everybody else would and be very intentional. You know, for me, trying to get better is just being intentional with what I'm doing. You know, even during these quarantine times, it's much harder during the quarantine times because there's so many, you got family distractions, you're not in your office, but trying to really have a plan each day, what I'm going to do. You know, I, I use my morning time to take care of myself with workouts. I listen to podcasts. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'm sure listening to this, you know, just to check in on what I, what I was saying. I hope I didn't say, say anything crazy throughout this thing, but I try to listen to podcasts while I'm working out, while I'm driving just to try to get better at whatever it is. And, uh, and, I, and props to you for doing this podcast because it's not a ton of podcasts out there that talk about football stuff. And There's a lot of stuff talking about the NFL and trades and just kind of the pop culture stuff, but not really going into details about 
the recruiting aspect of everything and all the other intricacy details of football stuff. No, I appreciate it. And it's selfishly, I, I, I kind of did it cause I've been wanting to listen to one, um, to listen to guys like you talk about your experience and stuff like that, which we'll get into. And the last question I have before we go get into that awesome journey that you have going across multiple sports, people are either reading or they're listening to music podcasts or watching TV. I know you're a big podcast guy. What are you listening to right now? I read a lot, audiobook stuff now, listen to podcasts every chance I get. I don't really listen to music at all. I don't watch any TV shows. I just feel like it's, I know I'm, it might make me sound crazy, but I feel like I'm wasting time if I watch any kind of sitcom, reality TV. So anything I'm doing on my off time is a podcast, a documentary, or just reading a book or listening to a book. So, you know, like podcast wise, I know, you know, he's, uh, I listen to, to Joe Rogan. I know, it's, you know, maybe a little controversial, but I kind of try to take the good not not some of the bad stuff but he does you know if he, he interviews some very interesting people and he's a very intelligent guy i listen to tim ferris you know i listen to jocko a little bit he kind of gets a little too overboard for me sometimes but i listen to like stuff you should know podcast just every now and then some stuff will pop up listen to npr stuff it'll be like a daily kind of information just to keep track of what's going on in the world audiobook wise i listen to just kind of just uh, mostly i mean almost all not non-fiction stuff Ironically, I listened to uh, 19, I mean, the audiobook 1984 uh, a couple months ago. And it's kind of, you know, after you listen to that, you start seeing what's going on now. You start, you know, it's just like anybody during this time. You got to be, be careful not losing your mind with all of some of the stuff that's going on with the quarantine time. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And I would say Tim Ferriss is probably, I think he's one of the best interviewers. You know what I mean? Because like, the, the questions that he asked, like that's, that's one of the ones that like I listen to as well. Now that's good stuff. So we're going to transition now to talking about you and your journey until now. So you've been a, you know, high school star athlete, you got drafted in the MLB, wound up being all American college football wise, got drafted, played in the league, coached in college football, now coaching the NFL. But talk to me about your story um, from start to finish, how you got to where you are, because I think a lot of people can look at your bio and read it off and think, okay, well, this guy was a really talented football player and he's got all these opportunities just because he's got this God-given ability, which you did have a, a ton of just physical tools and talent. But I think what, what's misunderstood and what people don't understand about your story and, and how remarkable it is that you dealt with adversity at every single step of the way. So just talk us through kind of like where you started growing up until now. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. And uh, I grew up in Azle, Texas, out, out here in the uh, Fort Worth area. That's where I'm at right now. You know, I didn't have any money growing up whatsoever. My parents didn't have hardly any money. So, I, you know, I definitely was not a silver spoon guy. Was good in sports as a kid. My uh, mom passed away when I was 16, when I was in high school, from a trailer fire. So I lost my mom in that, really lost everything. So that's a bad deal. But I, I make sure I never try to play the victim or act like I'm, you know, like I, I, it was a bad deal, but a lot of people deal with bad stuff. So I never want to appear like I'm the victim or anything like that. I just bring that up because maybe somebody's having something bad happen to them, but you know, good things can happen. Fortunately, I was always really good in school. Just, I wasn't, my parents never made me do one day of homework. They never told me to do your homework. They never said anything to me about it, but I don't know if I was just born with it or, or I saw what was going on around me, but regardless, I, always, I knew, you know, it's just common sense wise, you know, school is important regardless of what you think of what you're learning, you know, it's a, it can help you in society to kind of, to rise up and, and to take care of your family. So I knew I was going to be good at school. 
you know, just for kids that are out there that maybe listen there in high school, if you, you know, I was on the B team my freshman year of football. I was good as a kid, but I was on the B team freshman year of football. And then I just hit the crap out of somebody in practice. So they moved me up to the A team, but they still didn't really play me much as a freshman. And then I had a, you know, like typical in high school, you kind of go through growth spurts here and there, but I was like five, eight as a freshman and I was six, two as a sophomore. So I grew like six inches in the summer, which all the kids were like, what in the heck happened to you? And then I ended up, you know, I separated my right shoulder my last day of basketball practice. So I didn't even play baseball my freshman year. And it, I know it sounds crazy, but it was like the rookie of the year deal. When I separated my right shoulder, that combined with kind of, you know, hitting a growth spurt after my freshman year, I came back just being able to throw the hell out of a football or baseball. Like, I don't, it's just a growth spurt and separating my shoulder just all of a sudden I had a Get, gave you superhero, Gave you superhero powers. <laughs> Super, superhero arm. I don't get a lot, but so in the, in, uh, so I played, so then I was football, baseball. I didn't play basketball after I separated my right shoulder. I said, screw that. I ain't doing that anymore. I knew I wasn't going to be an NBA basketball player. So I played football and uh, did well as a, as a junior. And then I go out there in junior baseball and uh, long story, but you know, I really wasn't even that good of a, they didn't think I was a great, great baseball player. So I pitched in a, in a, uh, you know, like a scrimmage and I get like nine runs given up in one inning, but it didn't count. So it was just a scrimmage. So they're like, Oh, whatever. So I was like the third pitcher. But then we go into the first uh, game, and they're like, I'm like the third guy up. So like, all right, you, you're pitching this third game. And I throw a no-hitter. Like, and I don't even give up a run for like the first 50-something innings in junior in my junior year of baseball. Was that your, and, first, was that your first career start, like, as a high schooler? Oh, like, yeah. In, in, I, on varsity? I, on varsity, yeah. I threw a no-hitter. I, th- I pitched on <laughs> JV. And I was doing well on JV as a sophomore, but, you know, they were – no one was really thinking much of it. And – no one knew really, you know, so then they, so I didn't even get caught up as a sophomore, but then junior year, I of course took off. And then, so I started, you know, like one, one game I pitched in, I guess, Northwest out here. And I ended up, there was one guy that came out with the radar gun and it was, I ended up hitting a guy in the head on accident and he like laid down for 15 minutes motionless. That's a separate story, but he, he was fine. But a guy, a guy clocked me going, he clocked me at 91 and that was like in the last inning and the, it was like a UT Pan Am or something. And then from that moment on, it's one of those one of those deals. Like one thing happens in your life, it just it can completely change things. Once that guy clocked me at ninety something, you know, I had a lot of people contacting me. That was like into my junior year. Like I mean, professional scouts, like every major league team started calling me and sending questionnaires and college teams. So I'm still a baseball football guy. You know, I, I want to play football. I want to play baseball. And I go into my senior year of football, and I get hurt the second game of the season. I tear my knee on the second game. I had a meniscus uh, tear, so I had surgery after the, after the second game, and they tried to repair it, so I stayed off of it for like six weeks, and then I came back, and uh, I tried to come back at the end of the season, and I tore my knee again, first day of practice, and I had a surgery again. So I had two knee surgeries on the right knee my senior year of football during the season, and I still played the last game. That's what he'll be now. I still played the last game after having two surgeries. Did they, did they, they remove it? They removed it the second time. And they just taped me up and I had like a huge brace on. I played that last game. And uh, so, I mean, just talking to, if there's any kids in here that are, that are you know, since we're talking about recruiting a lot, you're, you're going to be talking a lot about recruiting. And, uh, you know, like you never know with your story. You know, I didn't, I wasn't even on the A team as a freshman. You know, I got hurt my second game, my senior year. I didn't really have any college coaches at all talking to me about football when I was in high school. Like, I don't remember one coach coming and saying, hey, we, you know, we're interested in you playing football here. And a lot of that was because I, maybe I did so well in baseball my junior year. But, uh, you just, you know, you never know where, you know, if you keep working hard, it's the cream rises to the top at the end. And I always worked hard and did things right. 
always did well in school. So then going into baseball year, my senior year, the first game, you know, th at this point, I've kind of a, a known guy in baseball. Luckily, those knee surgeries didn't affect me in, in baseball. You know, that first game, I think there's 27 scouts out there in uh, Azle, Texas with radar guns every time I pitched. And they were, you know, it was just a, it was a weird atmosphere, you know, being a small town guy like me, like, you know, never really even been out of the city, like having all these people talking to me about stuff. And I got my girlfriend in the stands kind of telling me, you know, one time she came down and said, hey, you got to start throwing harder. There's the guy right here hasn't seen you throw before because we were, we were winning like 11 and nothing. So I was kind of just out there throwing it. And that girlfriend's my wife now. We've been married 14 years, so high school sweetheart. But then I'll, I'll kind of jump through some stuff now because it's going to get super. That was, I thought that's the, the best part of stories, the younger days, you know, like some of the younger you, guys might be listening. Uh, yeah, and I think, like, right here, like, how did you handle – because it's, it's so different, right, like how recruiting is now versus, you know, when – hell, even when I was in high school and when you were in high school for sure because of Twitter and, like, the notoriety that recruits are able to get. And, like, it's easier to get your – you know, your film and your, and your name out there, I would say now, especially with social media, but how did you manage that? Like that attention, um, like all of those pro scouts, because I'm sure it was kind of overwhelming. Like how did you kind of get through that process? Yeah, it's, it was, uh, fortunately I'm just a, I've always been pretty level-headed guy and I don't, you know, I'm not, I try not to be cocky or anything like that whatsoever. So I could see how that could go to some kids heads though. And after recruiting for a little bit in college, you can definitely see how, you know, some of these guys get a little bit entitled, which is unfortunate. But I was just, you know, I'm small. I was a small town kid from Azo. I just always appreciative of anybody that talked to me and knew, that I, you know, just keeping things in perspective a lot of times, too, for, for guys. That's what I always pride myself on is keeping things in perspective. And I was like, well, shoot, I'm in high school. I'm getting these professional baseball teams talking to me. That's a, you know, it's a once in a lifetime type deal. I didn't even have an agent. I just told people, I was like, well, if, if you draft me and I'm in, it's decent, fair money, I'll, I'm going to sign. Cause that's a big deal in baseball. It's like signability. So I didn't, so I got drafted. You know, I graduated high school like May 20, May 30th, maybe. I was drafted like June 4th, you know, like a week later. Then I, I left to Bristol, Virginia like a, a week after that. So it was kind of fast paced. And, you know, I didn't have an agent. So they, when they drafted me, some guy came out to, to the trailer and said, hey, uh, we're going to give you this money. And I, I printed out like the last couple of years of drafts, kind of what everybody made and kind of slotted myself to what the guy last year made and all that kind of stuff. And I had a number in mind, you know, 18 year old kid. And I was like, no, I'm not signing for that. It's just, that's not the, that's not fair money. So he went outside, made a couple of phone calls, came back in, offered something. I said, no, I'm not signing for that. And it's just me and, you know, my wife and or the girlfriend at the time and her mom, and then came back in again. They offered what I thought it was, what I was, you know, the slot. And then I said, okay, I'll sign for that. And I, then I took off, went to Bristol, Virginia and started playing some minor league baseball. I think there's a lot to be said about having you, – you have to know what your value is. Uh, and not just as like a, a player, right, like as a student athlete nowadays, especially in today's society in this world, like I think it's so important to understand like you bring something special to the table and you need to be somewhere where somebody's going to value you for that. Whether that's in the recruiting process or going through – free agency or signing with a, a, a team after getting drafted. I think that's really important and being realistic about it too. Cause you didn't just throw out a random number. Like you looked at the previous year and you slotted yourself. Um, yeah. So and being honest with yourself too, going on that, you know, just being honest with yourself. Like even when the baseball draft process, I was, I didn't know where I was going to get drafted, but I was trying to be honest with those guys and saying, Hey, if any of you guys drafting the top 10 rounds and y'all give me fair money, I'll sign, you know, and I'm trying to be a man of my word, but 
if, if I wasn't going to get drafted in the top 10 rounds, I probably wouldn't have signed because that's just what, that's what I was telling everybody. I would have went to college and then seen what happened. But also honestly for myself that I knew I was disciplined enough. I knew what type of person I was even at 18 that even if I go play baseball and it doesn't work out, I know I'm going to go back to college and, and get a college degree regardless of what happens. So that's why I was willing to do that. So you knew right all along that at some point along the way you were going to go back to college. And I know you bounced around and you really, you know, worked at it for, you were, you were in the minors for three years, right? Yeah, it was like three and a half, four years. And then you spent another year in independence, you know, leagues, you know, trying to make it. And you finally got to the realization that it wasn't going to work out as far as the MLB. What was your mindset then when you went back home and you started to transition yourself? Because I think a lot of times, you know, guys get really build their identity around who they are as an athlete um, when that's taken away, because it is taken away at some point, you got to do some soul searching. Right. So like, I think it's just kind of crazy how you were able to spin that into getting recruited by rice. So just talk me through that transition phase, because I think it's easy to kind of overlook that aspect. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I got, you know, I got fired from baseball because I sucked. I just wasn't very good. So I was, and I was just sitting there like, well, damn, what am I going to do now? But you know, I was the same thing. I just try to keep things in perspective and said, well, I played with some guys in high school that went on to play college football that I believed I was better than, you know, and I was like, well, they did it. So maybe I can do it. And, uh, I, you know, I had to recruit myself. So I just told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm going to try to go play. I'm, I was like, I know I'm going to go to college to get a degree. Like, there's no question. I'm, I'm a disciplined guy. I know how important school is to get an education. I'm going to do that. Regardless of what happens. I was like, well, I might as well try to play football. I'm going to do that because, I haven't, you know, I get my clocks. I haven't started college at all. My clock's still full. So I started sending out information to every college I could think of. I mean, everywhere in Texas, you know, I, I put together a little pamphlet, a little packet, a little highlight video. It was like, you know, I was 22 or 23 at the time. So it's not like I had a lot of high school film, but I put it all together. I put like a letter in there explaining my situation. You know, it might sound a little douchey, but I took a picture of myself with my shirt off just in front of the door just stand there in tights and I didn't want to do it but my wife I was married at the time so I got married at 21 so I was already married trying to go to college you know so she's she's real props to her for I'm sure she was sitting there thinking like this guy's nuts he thinks he's gonna go play football now but I was, so I was 22 23 so I but she told me to do it because I know they did that at the combine so I sent a, that picture in this big pamphlet and luckily that's kind of what got me a, a scholarship you know long story short but I went to like Cisco Junior College. I went to Tarleton State. I went to TCU. Like none of those places really offered me anything. But were you were you to, were you driving up to these places and, and dropping off your information, or you were calling? Like how did you do it? I, a lot of some of my mailed out. Some of my drove. Some of my gave to like friends. Like the one at Rice, I I had a friend of mine that Dustin Huffsey that walked on at Rice because he's a really smart guy to play football, and he was in Azle at the time. So I just gave it to him. I met him at a gas station, Duke's gas station and gave it to him. He took it up there and gave it to the wide receivers coach, who was David Beatty, who was, used to be the head coach of Kansas. And then he gave it to Todd Graham, who's, uh, you know, the head coach of Hawaii now. And they – because – really just because I put that picture in there, that's, that's what they said. That's their story. Now Now that I'm older, they've talked to me about it. You know, I saw David Beatty at the uh, at the senior ball. He talked to me about that story. He's like, yeah, we're, you know, you get, we get these videos all the time. But when we looked at your picture and saw you were in good shape, we said, well, shoot, we don't have too many guys that look like that. So then they called me and started talking to me. They ended up, you know, after playing baseball, I think I was 20. I may have been 23 then. You know, I, and I just remember vividly, like, I was working at, like, a 
gym because I always worked out hard, stayed in shape. So I was like, what better place to work at than a gym? I was making like $7 an hour. You know, I remember just telling people there, I was like, yeah, I'm trying to play college football. And I just remember the look on their face, like, yeah, whatever. You know, you can, you know that when people look at you, they think you're full of crap. I was like, all right, just more fire, you know, I'll show you. And then ended up getting that scholarship to Rice. And I was just driven like nobody was ever been driven when I got to Rice because I already got fired from baseball. So I sucked at that. And I felt like I could have done more. I had a bad mindset in baseball. So I was like, never again am I going to have that. Nobody's going to outwork me. I'm not taking crap from anybody. And I'm going to have no regrets whatsoever when I get here, when I get done with this Rice thing. So I got to Rice and I was full speed ahead. Was just a, like a demon, like a machine out there. I was just not like I was no, no way I was not gonna let this. I, I didn't think I was. I didn't know I was gonna play in the NFL, but I was like, I know I'm gonna be the best I possibly could. So I worked out all the time. Worked out more than anybody. I did unbelievable in school. Just got studied nonstop, and I was just on a mission. And I was always driven. But then after that, after kind of getting fired, sometimes you get fired. You know, you, you're like, okay, never again. You kind of you know change your mindset a little bit. How was that once you first stepped in the building too? Because the other thing to think about is like you're talking four years removed from taking a snap, four years removed from, you know, looking at a playbook and you're not just going from, you know, one college team to another college team. Like you're going from playing at Azel high school to playing in a college football program, completely different playbook. How was that as far as the, the mental side of the game and, and really forcing yourself to like take another step that way? Oh, it was a huge transition. I mean, I, when I, not only that, but when I was at Azel, we ran the triple options. We ran like six plays. So I had no idea what football was, really. I didn't even know what cover two was. And all of a sudden, you know, I got very fortunate that David Bailiff came in as head coach and then Tom Herman came in as offense coordinator. And there's so many, there were so many unbelievable coaches on that staff that were kind of teaching me. You know, I didn't even know. I, you know, I was 23. You know, I hadn't even played football since I was 18. I played a triple option quarterback, so I didn't really know much about I didn't know if I was going to know how to put the pads in. I didn't know if they changed the pads and the pants. I didn't know if the shoulder pads were the same. I didn't know what, what was going on. I was just like, all right. I was just sitting in my locker, just being quiet, looking around, just seeing what everybody else was doing and just kind of following along. But when it, when it got to football and time to work out, I was full speed ahead. You know, and then I started off at defense. You know, they so I played quarterback my whole life. They put me as like a linebacker slash defensive end. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try to make this work. And fortunately, I talked them into moving me to quarterback. You know, I played defensive end all spring. And even in the spring game, it was like me and Moose, like the only two defensive ends left. This guy that played at Rice, he's probably going to be the governor of uh, Oklahoma at some point. But, you know, I'm playing defensive end, and then I keep telling him, hey, I can help you guys with offense. And fortunately, Coach Bailiff and Coach Herman, they moved me to, to quarterback after my – I came in the spring, so they moved me to quarterback after the spring. You know, my first workout there, I didn't even have workout clothes because I got there so early. Like, we had a junior college transfer guy there from Mississippi. It was just me and him were the only two guys there. And Yancey Renat was a strength coach. He's at Texas now. And we go, I like sprained both my wrists the first day on power cleans. I don't know what I'm doing. And the, the workouts were so hard. That kid had a full scholarship to Rice University. And he left after the second day. He just took off back to Mississippi. And I was, I was, I was stuck it out. I was like, all right, I don't care what happened. I'm going to make it through this. I called him up once uh, the coaches changed when Coach Graham left. And he's like, no, I'll screw it. I'm done. I'm not going back. I just kept grinding, you know, kept working, kept working, kept working, and then eventually moved to quarterback. And then, you know, I had a, I've only played two years in college at Rice, which is crazy after hearing some of the other stories. But you know, I only played two years. Fortunately, I had great coaching. They gave me a ton of opportunities. Freshman year, I did some wildcat quarterback after playing that defensive stuff. And then sophomore year, Coach Herman just gave me the ball. I had 111 catches just my sophomore season. And I was like, well, I can't get much better than this. So I'm already 25. So let's see if I can play in the NFL. Shoot, why not? You know, 
Let's see what happens. And at the same time, you were academic All-American and you were pursuing a triple major. Before we get into the Houston Texans and you're making that transition from college to the pros, um, talk me through like what it's like at a school like Rice. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm the director there. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about why that degree meant so much to you. But for any kid that's looking at, you know, high academics, like whether that's us or Northwestern, Stanford, Vandy, um, the Dukes of the world, it's a different level of one ball and academics. But how do you balance the two? Um, and for you, like being there in such a short time, how were you able to still attack and go after a triple major, much less just a, a high academic degree? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, like some of these guys you listen to, they're kind of hardcore people that are, you know, they don't fluff things. There's no BS. And that's kind of what, that's the way I live my life too. I mean, I'm, if I'm talking to a kid, I mean, I'm not going to try to BS you. Like it ain't easy. You got to pick your priorities and, and figure out what you want to do. Do you want to be, do you want to make a lot of money? Do you want to be really successful? Do you want to be really good at football? You're going to have to put some work in. You're going to have to do it day in, day out. You're going to have to be consistent. There is no, there is no cheat sheet. There is no secret to doing it. And, you know, everybody wants to hear the secret or the easy way to do it, but everybody says they're a grinder. Everybody says they work hard, but I mean, do they really, I mean, do they have the, the track record or do other people say that? And that's one thing I always told myself was like, yeah, I'm going to work hard, but I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make sure I work harder than everybody else. And it, and you don't have to ask me. I think if you ask anybody that played with me at Rice University or that was on the coaching staff at Rice University when I was there, I think without question, they would say James worked harder than everybody else there. He was driven. He was disciplined. And it was the same way in school. I was locked in. Like, that's what I wanted. I told myself I had my priorities. I wrote them down, what I wanted to do. And I said, this is what I'm doing. And once you know what you want, a lot of people don't even know what they want. So they don't know what to work towards. You know, I knew what I wanted. I want to be a great football player. I want to be great in sports. I want to do really well in school. And those are no brainers for any kid. Obviously not bad for you to want to be really good at sports. There's so many valuable lessons you can learn, even if you don't play in college. And it's obviously never going to be bad for you to be really good in school. Education is never a bad investment. So why wouldn't you want to try to be the best of those two things? That's without, nobody's going to tell you that. You should just know that. It's just common sense. So that's what I told myself. I was like, I'm going to try to be the best at school. I'm trying to be the best at football. You know, I'm not going to take a lot of crap from people. I'm not going to let anybody outwork me. And I'm just going to do it day in, day out and, and hope for the best. You made your mind up about that when you were in high school, battling through losing your mom. Like, was that when that decision was made for you? Yeah, there's been certain things. I mean, you know, I was always pretty driven just because you know, I think it was just common sense and just not coming from a good environment, but just knowing that, hey, I know school is really important. If I do really well in school, it's going to give me a chance to get out and make something of myself. My mom passed away, so I was even way more driven after that. Then I got fired in baseball, so I was way more driven after that. Just everything that happened bad, I just used it to be even more disciplined, more driven. And I was already pretty driven from the beginning, but just each thing, you know, just and just and I always knew what I wanted, you know. I didn't really know what career I wanted. I didn't know I wanted to coach like I am now. I figured that out, but I knew the things that I really wanted to be were really good at sports and really good at school. So I did everything I possibly could to try to be really good at those things because I know those things will there's always good stuff that can come from that. So you went econ, managerial studies, sports management, and a minor in business. I remember after your NFL career, just skipping ahead real quick, when you came by the office, this was when you were going, you know, workout to workout, trying to get signed by somebody after you were with Broncos. What were you thinking about doing? Like, just to sidetrack real quick, like, if you weren't in coaching right now, what would you be doing? 
I, well, I, you know, I'm, I pride myself on being a disciplined guy. And like you said, like early on, you know, you're a football player, but that's not who you are. You know, you, that's, I was just a football player, but that's not who I was. Even though I did so much sports, I, you know, I'm more than that. So I, you know, I thought about it every single day. So, you know, there was, I wanted to be, you know, I was just really, at first I was just kind of looking to see what made a lot of money and what could make an impact. So I was like investment banking. So I read a book, a book on investment banking and I went and, I went and shadowed a couple of people that they were that are here at Rice and uh, they kind of showed me what it was about. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't see myself doing that. And then I thought about politics. Maybe I want to be a politician at some point. I read a bunch of bunch of those type of books. I went to, uh, you know, Mayor Anise Parker of Houston at the time was the mayor and she was a Rice graduate. So I shouted her around. I did an entire internship in the Houston mayor's office trying to see if I want to do that. And I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. I thought about wanting to be a lawyer. So I read a bunch of books on, on law school and talked to people that went to law school. And uh, then I started getting older and I was like, no, I don't want to do this. But I had a plan, you know, I had all these things I wanted to do and I researched all these things. And then I eventually settled on coaching. I didn't, you know, you go to Rice University, you get a Rice degree, you know, you're, you're not typically just wanting to coach, but that's kind of why I thought about all those other things first. And then I said, you know what, just being real with myself. I know I love football. I get up super early every morning. I love studying film. I love the competition of it. So I was like, you know what? I want to be a coach and I can make an impact with a lot of people. I can talk to a lot of people, stay competitive. And, you know, you can still make money coaching as well. So then that, that was after like year four in the NFL. So then I started visiting everybody I could think of. I wanted to see, you know, same thing. Same thing. If you want to learn to do something, why not, why not go ask somebody that's already done it? And uh, so I went out, you know, I went to Texas Tech with, with Cliff Kingsbury for a week and just he let me sit on his staff meetings. I went to Ohio State with Tom Herman, his offense coordinator, sit on his meetings for a week. I came to Rice with David Baylor for a week. You know, I just went to everybody I could think of and uh, just told them I wanted to coach and tried to learn what it was about. And not necessarily for learning, but really just to show those guys that I wanted to do it. And I was disciplined to do it. I was willing to do all the small stuff. And then I kept playing for a couple more years. And I got fired from football and nobody else would hire me. So I said, you know what, I got to do something else. And so I started calling everybody around uh, that, was, uh, that I talked to as a coach that I knew. Coach Herman was the first guy that called me back and offered me a a position at the University of Houston and so I said heck yeah I want to do that obviously I want to get in get my foot in the door and learn how to coach and you know I went to Rice and I was coaching at the University of Houston which is a little strange but I was uh you know saying it was an opportunity to work and I have I'm forever indebted to University of Houston love love being there met a lot of great people and of course appreciative of coach Herman coach Applewhite all those guys gave me opportunities you know started off making twenty two thousand dollars a year you know, washing, washing ice chests and going to get beef jerky for people. But I just, that's what you got to do. You know, it didn't matter. I didn't care. I was just trying to get my foot in the door. I, I would, I really want to like take this time to like, for you to give some advice to guys that are GAs, QCs, analysts, because you were basically in that role. And the minute the full-time job opened up, you were, you had positioned yourself to get that job. Like you weren't waiting for, it to fall into your lap. I think what really separated you was the fact that you would always come by our office and the recruiting, you know, staff and said, Hey, who do you want me to watch? Like, wh what can I do to help? Like, I want to get better as a recruiter so that when I do get my opportunity and it wasn't like an, if it's like, when I get my opportunity, I'm going to be ready. Um, so just talk us through like what it's like being a quality control coach and how to best assist that coaching staff. Because I think that's a really important trait. And at the same time, like you talked about earlier, as far as like writing down what you want out of this, you want, you knew what you wanted. You knew you wanted to have the room and to command the room. But 
at the same time, you knew that you needed to master the role that you were in. So just talk us through kind of like what that looked like. Yeah, there's, I mean, you gotta, you, there's so many things you gotta be able to do. It's hard to even get those jobs. So you gotta really work hard just to even get that job. But, and then you, when you get the job, you gotta have some emotional intelligence and kind of know what your role is as a GA or an analyst and know that they don't really need you for scheme. You know, you're not really, need, you're not really suggesting plays. You're kind of doing all the, the dirty work, the, the input and everything. And whatever any coach asks you to do, it's always yes, sir. And it's do even more than what they ask. You try to do a great job at it because you keep doing good jobs. They keep asking you to do things for them. And eventually you end up being, you know, their right-hand man. And then if they end up getting an offense coordinator job or a head coaching job, you know, you're going to be the first guy they call to get that job. And then, you know, just recruiting-wise, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a dummy going into it either. And I knew college football, if you can't recruit people, if you don't know how to recruit, it doesn't matter. The scheme is the least important thing. You actually know in football, it's can you recruit. So. I tried to do as much time as I could with, with you and Brian and, uh, you know, the, like the Brian Carrington he talked to you first, like just talking to you guys about recruiting and, and Chang, who's a, at, at University of Texas now, just asking you guys what you guys do, how do you rate these guys, trying to watch highlights films as much as possible. Even though it really was for nothing, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even able to recruit. I was just trying to – you got to do things to get better at it. So I just kept watching guys and trying to give my opinion on guys and just working hard, you know, the best, the easiest way to get a jobs in coaching or anything is just to do a really good job. What you do, what you're doing right now and do, do a better job than what you need to be doing. Do more than what you need to do. And keep making a good impression with the people that are around you. It is not, may not necessarily be just the head coach. It's the, the recruiting coordinators, the receiver coach. Cause you don't know, you know, especially if you identify, you know, if you're a young coach or a young, whatever, in any business, if you got somewhat, you know, some kind of, common sense to you or some some you'll, you can kind of look around at any kind of organization or staff and you can kind of see the guys that have a chance to be those top kind of guys and then if you identify those guys you, you do whatever you can to help those people I really want to go back on kind of how you made it happen because I think you don't even realize the process that you have was two things read everything that you can possibly find and get in front of people that have done it successfully I think that's such a huge part of what's helped you be successful. So then moving on to when you became the full-time coach, what did you do? How did you take your game to another level as far as getting better? And, and what advice would you have for college football athletes? Because I think now you have a different experience of having been pro, having been a college athlete, and now you've got coaching experience and you're able to like really blend the two when you're talking to your guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, coaching tight ends right now, it's not, I mean, it's great because I've played the position. I know a lot about it, but for me trying to grow in the industry and try to learn, I'm trying to learn quarterback play. I'm trying to study the defenses and what they're doing. I'm trying to not, anything you're doing, you know, as a tight end coach, for me and personally, to, for me to try to get better, I don't just watch the tight end. I'm trying to watch the reason why the defense is doing certain things, the reason why the offensive coordinator is calling a certain play in a certain situation. I'm trying to go above and beyond. That's for anybody. Just try to go above and beyond just what you're doing. And just from my background, you know, I played in high school, played in college, played in the NFL, and now I've coached in college, coached in the NFL. It's amazing when you when you look when you get to a certain level and you look back, you know, like say you get you're in college and you look back at high school and you're like, man, if I'd have known this, I'd have been unbelievable in high school. You get to the NFL and you look back at college, you're like, man, if I'd have known this, if I'd have worked like this, I'd have been way better in college. You go to you coach, you go coaching, and you look back and you say, I mean, you coach for like a, a one year and you look back at your playing days, you're like, Jesus. If I'd have known this as a player, what I know as a coach for this year, I'd have been so much better. I'd have understood every, what everybody's doing. I'd have known the reason behind everything. I'd have known the situation football so much better. 
So for a young guy, I would say study, study the game. And don't just give me that, yeah, I watch highlight stuff. Like, that's not study. Like if you really want to get really good, you can make yourself great. If you really get the film, if you get with your coaches, I know it's different during the quarantine, but if you watch game film with a guy that knows what he's talking about and he talks you through the different coverages, the different fronts, the different blitzes, what the offensive schemes are, if you if you should say you say I want to you know if you go if you try to like even as a player if you go coach like I think every quarterback NFL quarterback especially young guys should go GA at a college for like a, an off season or something to input all the defensive stuff just because you learn input I mean you you're typing in the defenses you're typing in the fronts the blitzes like you learn so much about football that that they can really take your game to the next level and you know like there's a reason Peyton Manning's so successful he doesn't have the greatest arm of all time but he's unbelievable how he studies and how disciplined he is. And same thing with Tom Brady. Those guys are not the greatest athletes of all time, but they're the most dis discipline-driven guys, which is just so rare. You know, you say these things and you say you tell kids what they should be doing, but it's just so rare. You know, I played with a bunch of different guys. They would never do that kind of stuff. And it's just so rare to find those type of guys. So I really try to now in my life, when I find guys like that, especially younger people, if you show the initiative as a younger person, an older people that have been on and done great things, they will do whatever they can to help you because they know it's so rare for a younger kid to have that drive and that discipline and that work ethic to really be great. That's why there's not a lot of great people out there. It's just hard to do. you got to be very disciplined. So when you were recruiting, what were some questions or things that you looked for when you were on the road and you recruited a bunch of Fort Worth and, and kind of the Dallas area? Um, what were some things that you looked for and what are some things that recruits – can, can keep in mind when guys are not just coming to the school, but watching them compete at practice, watching them at camps. Uh, what were some things that, that you were focused on? You know, some of the stuff is not fancy. It's just like, it's just the no BS type stuff. You know, you obviously ask them what the grades are. That's what's great for you guys being at Rice because you're going to get a lot of driven guys just because of what their grades are. But you talk to a kid about his grades and he's got a really bad GPA. It's like, you know, already what kind of guy that is. Yeah, people make mistakes when they're younger and they get better. But at the same time, you're like, how did you not figure it out by the time you're in high school to understand how important your grades are? You ain't got to be a, a genius to make good grades in high school. You just got to do the work. So if the guy's not even willing to do his work, I already think a certain thing about the guy. But, you, you know, you're really just trying to find out how tough, how disciplined is the guy, how, how intelligent is the guy. That's what, you know, not a lot of people talk about intelligence, but you got to be a pretty smart person to be good at certain positions in football. You, so you got to have some intelligence to you. You got to have that work ethic and you got to have some toughness or you're never going to have a chance. So just find out about their life, their background, not necessarily their family structure. I mean, you want to know the family structure, but it's more so what kind of person are they? Because everybody comes from different scenarios, but have they been through adversity? Are they have proven track records? And not just talking to them, but talk to people they, that, that coach them. What does the coach say about them? What does the trainer say about them? What does some of his teachers say about him? And, so, and then sometimes you got you to decipher on who you're listening to then, too, because if you can find a couple guys you really trust in the area to give you the lowdown on certain guys, that goes a long way. Taking that to the NFL level from college to the NFL, now you're with the Bengals. You're still doing a lot of that vetting out talent, right? Scouting is so different from recruiting, but in a lot of ways it's the same. I think at the end of the day it just flips the model of you're instead of selling a product, you're buying a product, right? You're, you're figuring out who's the best player and, and, and asset to bring into your, your franchise. But a lot of what goes on, um, especially in the, the all-star phase, the combine phase, pre-draft process, there's a lot of interviewing that, that you guys do as NFL coaches. And I know that with the Bengals, having you know known Steve and Duke, Mike Potts, like the guys in that front office do a phenomenal job. 
but they also do a good job of allowing the coaching staff to be more involved. How has that been for you? And what are some things that maybe you wish you knew as a recruiter now being in the NFL and vice versa, things that you've taken from the college game with you during this process of scouting and vetting out the guys that you're, you guys are bringing in to the Bengals organization? Yeah, good question. I mean, I've, I've learned a ton and it's, it's just amazing in the NFL. Just the, the biggest advantage you have in the NFL is you got so much more time to watch these guys. And, you, and there's not as many guys you got to watch. College-wise, it's almost infinite how many guys you can watch and recruit. I know you guys don't offer a bunch of guys, which I think is great because now you're not wasting your time. You guys can target kind of the guys that really understand what kind of a great place Rice is. And if they don't understand that, then you shouldn't mess with them anyways. And that's hopefully sounds like what you guys are doing, which I love. You know, this one, you're not recruiting. You're just trying to evaluate the guys so you can watch game films. You know, like in college, it's so hard to watch the game films because you just don't have as much time. But here you can really watch them from play to play. You got so much information on them, you know, from background checks. You got scouting services that that talk about their background and their family situation and any kind of trouble they've been in. And obviously the height, weight, and the measurables are all verified because they're at the combine, which makes it so much easier. So for me personally, that you kind of have all the information. So I just about to try to, you know, really spend a lot of time on the film of seeing what kind of real player is he and then trying to really get to know the guy. Cause if you're going to draft the guy high, you're going to spend a lot of money on him. You want to make sure it's a guy that's, that's got his crap together. You know, he's not some guy that's some bonkers guy that's going to emotional roller coaster and not going to be a disciplined, true pro. So, and then you just got to, you know, I've learned a lot these, these, these last two years, but it's just I'm putting it all together and not putting too much weight into one thing. You know, it's not, you know, you've got his background information, you got his football playing, his combine stuff, but at the end of the day, it's going to come back to his film and then what kind of guy he is. I've learned so much more in the NFL, which I would take back to me if I was ever in college again recruiting. It's just so much, so many better questions to ask, you know, like about the to the kids about their background of getting to know the people better. It's inherent because NFL, you got more time. In college, it's harder to kind of, you know, but I would spend way more time just getting to know certain guys. And sometimes it's hard because some of these college kids don't even respond back to you. And then that would drive you crazy as a coach too. If he doesn't respond back to that, do we even want this kid? I would tell kids, be respectful. That's what I would say is a big thing for high school kids. Be respectful. These college coaches, these guys, are they're offering you something amazing. If you don't want to go there, just tell them up front you don't want to go there. You're going to save everybody a lot of time. There's so many other kids out there that would love to go there. You, can, you know, the, the college coach can now spend a lot of his time on the kids that really want to go to your school. That's such a, a good point, too, because the more, like, genuine you can be and direct with recruiters about what you're looking for I think is is going to really help you out as a recruit being upfront and honest about what you're looking for in a staff and what you're looking for at the next level so kind of like jumping back real quick before we kind of move on to the topic of the week which is really making that jump from one level of ball to the next how was it getting that second contract because everybody talks about it right going back to your playing days in the NFL I know that it's not necessarily that easy because, I mean, you've got to hold a roster spot. You know, you've got to find your way onto a team. So for those guys that are going through the draft and maybe they don't get picked up by a team, like what's it like going through that, you know, from preseason to the season to the offseason? And how do you have the fortitude and, and really to, to get through that process to make sure that you put yourself in the best position to get that second contract? It's crazy, but even in the NFL, if you're playing in the NFL, there's not a lot of dogs out there that are just tough, hard-nosed, go-get-it type guys. If you're, one, if you're a young guy and you're, if you really are truly an animal out there and you go after it every single day, like you're going to separate yourself in a hurry because there's not a lot of guys like that. 
but it is a grind. You know, there's this, they say NFL, you know, it doesn't last for long, not for long league, whatever. It's like three years. That's only for the guys that make it. So I played seven years. Nobody, I'm sure, you know, if anybody, whoever's listening to this, they probably have no idea who I am unless they know what Rice is or followed the Texans for a little bit. But in general, nobody has any idea who I am. And I played seven years and made good money. And it's just, uh, you got to do, you know, in any level, just the little things, you know, I, and I got that second contract and it was life changing to get that second contract. But even then, you know, you're trying to play as long as you can because you don't realize how good you have it. You don't realize how good you have it in high school because you kind of have your schedule all set. Life's, life's not as hard as what you think it is if you're a high school guy right now. And then you go to college, life's not as hard as what you really think it is. You got, you got your everything scheduled for you. You're, you're, if you're on scholarship, you're going to school for free, you know, you're getting to go to class, you're hanging out with your buddies. If you're in the NFL, you know, life's not too hard. If you're, you know, obviously you're making a lot of money. You know, you don't realize how good you got it sometimes and to, to put all that work in because when you get out, you know, now you're like me and you, you know, we're working. We're trying to – we're during quarantine trying to keep our jobs, trying to year to year, especially in football. And like I think you talked about early on, you can't just be a, you know, football player. You got to have other interests about you. And if you don't get that second contract, have some other things you're interested in that you can work at and make a living and provide for your family. I think I went off the rails on that question, but hopefully hopefully it's no, 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 no. I think that was, that was perfect as far as, you know, maximizing that opportunity and sticking with that. When it comes to picking mentors, I think it's such a huge aspect to, to finding success, right? Like people that have done it before that, that know the route, so to speak, like, if you're driving to somebody that you met that you're coaching with or it's on your team and y'all are meeting up at some restaurant you've never heard of, you're going to throw it into Waze. You're going to throw it into Google Maps. You're going to follow the directions, right? So, like, it would be important for you to talk about how you've gone about picking mentors in your career, not just coaching, but as a player, because you've been able to kind of navigate different routes, right? But you said earlier, like, you went to go – sit with Cliff Kingsbury and talk with them. You went to Tom Herman, a guy that you trusted. What what should recruits and, and athletes know about picking mentors? And I think that's also, you know, applicable to coaches in the industry. Like what advice would you have on that? Great question. I would say my first thing would be before you even talk about mentors, you better be putting that work in. You better be good at what you do. You better work hard and you better go above and beyond. And I think I read some analogy like, you know, a, a guy, he, he runs out of gas and, you know, he's sitting on the side of the road and he's got his car hood up and he's just sitting in the car and everybody's just driving by. No one's stopping to help him. But, you know, he says, you know what, screw this. He gets out of his car and he starts trying to push the car to the gas station. Once he starts pushing the car, everybody starts stopping and trying to help, help him. I think that's in life too. Like if, if you show the initiative and you put that work in, there will be people to help you. And then if, now if you're, a, if you're trying to find a mentor, then you got to just be selective on just, I mean, it's pretty easy. You just look around. You can see certain people that you want to be like, that you like, and just approach them. But they ain't going to help you at all, and they're not going to care one ounce about you unless you've already showed that you're going to put that work in. You're somebody that they're willing to invest their time in. Like, if, you know, if a random person walks up to one of these elite coaches or whatever, you know, they're not going to – but if they somebody that's worked, worked their tail off and done some good things and showed some good things, and then they come and ask them for something, then they're willing to help them. Help them. If you got to show the initiative first. So – before you even talk about mentors, you better go out there and show the initiative first and get the work done and be successful at whatever you're doing. It could be small as small can be, but you better show that you're willing to work or nobody's going to help you. In closing, give me one piece of advice for recruits going through the recruiting process. I have a bunch of them. If I had to say one thing, I would say be honest with yourself. You know what your ability is. 
you know what kind of guy you are. You know where you'd fit at. And be honest with everybody. If anybody's talking to you, be honest with them. And you kind of, by being honest, I mean, like, understand which kind of level of football you think you would be good at or where you'd fit at. You know, are you D1 guy, D2, D3, junior college? You Are you a Texas guy, Texas A&M? You kind of, you know, it's not that hard to kind of figure out what you think you would be a good fit at. And uh, be honest with anybody who's talking to you. You know, just be honest. Be up front. Be a real person. Don't be some poser, some fake, fake person that everybody can see right through immediately. Some fake tough guy. Just be an honest person and uh, be honest with yourself and, make a good decision. If nobody's out there looking at you, then put the work in, you know, start do like I did, start sending stuff out to people, find the recruiting coordinator, find the area recruiter, find a position coach, start sending information to these people. And at the same time, be honest with who you are and where you might fit. What about parents? What do parents need to know about the recruiting process? Same thing. Be honest with what your kid is. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to be kind of blind to your own kind and think your kid's supposed to go to Stanford when maybe he's got a 2.3 GPA and he's supposed to not go to Stanford or not go to Rice. So be honest with your, with your kid and you can help, you can help them out though. I mean, if you, you know, when they're, when coaches are talking to the, to the players, they all, a lot of these coaches want to talk to the parents too. And if the parents are crazy person, that can sometimes eliminate the kid because you don't want to deal with the parent, let the kid do what he wants to do, give him direction, but it's his decision. I mean, you help him, you help him. Is these, if you're a 17, 18 year old, you have no, you, it's just, you hardly know what the heck's going on in life. So you need help, but you don't want to, just tell him where to go to. You want to give him it's his decision and give him advice. But once he goes there, don't be trying to meddle in with the coaching staff all the time. Let him do what he wants to do and make sure he's doing things right. But let him be his own man. It's time to grow up. You know, you did your job. He's got a, he's got a chance to get a scholarship. Now it's his turn to, to show you what he can do. I like the uh, blind to your own kind. That's uh, uncle said that. My wife's uncle. He, he's a high school coach, so he knows all about it. I love it. What, so then what would you tell high school coaches? Be honest. <laughs> Not every single one of these questions, be honest with who you got. But also push the heck out of your guys. You know, be, don't try to – if a, a guy from uh, Texas A&M comes in there, don't try to give him a, a, a guy that's, you know, 5'9", 180 and plays offensive guard. You know, that's, that's just – you know, you can't put everybody on the prospect list. That's for parents too. But if you recognize a guy that really works and he puts the work in, push those guys, you know, because the coaches are so reliant on you. You can't watch everybody. They're so reliant on the high school coaches and the, even the position coaches to kind of push guys to them, to tell them. So if you've got a player that's good, even on other teams, that's good and he does things right and he works hard, do you think he can play in college? Let those college coaches know. Go tell them. Because if not, some guys get overlooked because they just don't have enough time. At the same time, you're going to have to push as many guys as you can. you got to try to get, get help out with all your guys in college. But don't just think you're just strictly coaching high school football. I would say, like, help these kids out as much as you can. They're relying on you to get their information to these colleges. So, you know, do extra work if you can. Put in extra work to try to get your guys that are really that are good players and work hard. Do extra as a high school coach to help these guys get into college. I, I think it's, it's such a huge role that you play um, because you are the connecting piece. So, really, the, the ones that take pride in that and – know the guys in the area and know the guys in their, you know, district. Like I look at it the same way that I do with, you know, being a pro liaison, like I'm going to make sure I know the other senior draft eligible guys in our conference and the guys you play against, because when a scout or a college coach comes in and meets with you about your players, they're going to ask you, how does he compare to so-and-so or, you know, where does he stack up? And it's easy to just say, well, my guy is the best. And, absolutely just be all about your guys. But I think 
there's so much more value in, in somebody that's done the homework of knowing where they stack up in the grand scheme of things and big picture wise. Um, and those have really been like the most like effective high school recruiting coordinators, in my opinion, the ones that really know the landscape. So last bonus question would be one piece of advice for draft eligible prospects going through this, especially having gone through it yourself one, but now going through the scouting side of it as a coach. Be confident. Nobody wants a timid, weak, soft-looking player. Be extremely confident without being cocky. So it's kind of a borderline. So you'll be very confident that you can play in the NFL, that you have the ability. They wouldn't even be talking to you in the first place if you weren't a good player. So be confident. Be proud of what, who you are. And uh, and then, like I've said a lot of times, just be honest with, be honest to the guys. You know, if they ask you a question that you may have done something bad in the past, like just be honest, be open about it. A lot, everybody messes up. Everybody deserves second chances. So be confident. Be honest. James, thanks again for jumping on the show, man. And to our listeners out there, you can follow him at JamesCasey85 on Twitter. And uh, definitely looking forward to what y'all do with the number one overall pick, man. Absolutely, Alex. And, hey, I appreciate it, man. Keep You too, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate you doing this podcast because there's not a lot of stuff out there about recruiting and football in general. So I look forward to listening to uh, your shows moving forward. And keep And obviously, I'm a Rice you know, alumnus. So you, you guys keep get, getting after it. Keep, you know, you know, win a lot of football games when it's quarantine time, you know, gets out of here. And then uh, I'll be, obviously stay in contact with you. No doubt. We got to keep the three game winning streak alive. So let's do it. Yeah. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the show. Stay tuned next Monday for the announcement of our next guest and topic. And until next Saturday, stay blessed and stay safe.